I'm so glad that you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up a little later, me ripping you off? Well, if you feel I have, that's why we have Clark Stinks. And that's where you can go to clark.com slash clarkstinks. Post where you feel I gave bad advice, bad information, incomplete information, a poor answer. And then weekly, you get to hear Krista read posts from people who posted on Clark Stinks. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com is where we're getting you all set for Christmas. Two and a half weeks from now, we've got deals posting for you day and night at Clarkdeals.com. So I want to tell you something about next year. Next year, for a number of reasons, we're going to have a lot of great, great airfare bargains both for travel around the United States and for outside the U.S. And there are multiple reasons for this, but I want to deal with just one first, and that is three airlines that people love to hate are having a big impact on airfares in cities all over the country. Allegiant, Frontier, and Spirit the three hard discount airlines in the United States, come into a marketplace. Uh, In the case of Frontier and Allegiant, they may come in with a flight just twice a week from somewhere to somewhere else. Spirit tends to offer daily service, typically. But when these deep discounters come into a market and they're all adding routes at a rapid clip around the country, airfares in that market on full fare airlines and mid-price airlines decline as a result. Even if the deep discounter comes in with very minor levels of service, it affects prices. According to Hopper, which is an app a lot of people love to use to shop for airfares, you will see a 17% drop in airfares on a route when a new flight comes in from a discounter. And that's really fantastic to know that when one of the deep discounters comes in, even if you don't choose to fly them, you benefit from them in the market. Now, obviously, if people don't fly them but are grateful they brought in the fare, eventually they'll leave the market because it's not economic for them to just help bring down fares on other airlines, people have got to fly them too. And I fly everybody over the course of a year. And I know a lot of people complain about the airlines. I don't have a lot of complaints about anybody I fly. It may be my personality, but it doesn't really bother me. Now, there's a second factor that is particular to 2020. Eventually, eventually, the max is going back in the air. And that is a plane that has been flown by American, United, and Southwest, but now a bunch of other airlines are going to bring in maxes. There are going to be a lot of them in the skies once they're certified as safe again. And even if you don't fly on one, 
all this rush of new aircraft and currently parked aircraft that were in service but brought back are going to have an effect. Uh, saw an item in the Wall Street Journal, how many of these planes are coming back in the skies and how many routes is going to lead to. They give an example of markets that Southwest has come into that previously were served by uh, full fare airlines and the fares drop at least initially by over 60% when Southwest comes in, which known as the Southwest effect. And we're going to see in 2020 is Southwest has more of those planes that were in their fleet and so many coming into their fleet once the plane's found to be safe that it's going to have a dramatic effect with bargains in 2020. One of the keys, though, is when a new route is introduced or when new service is announced, you want to watch like a hawk to see what deals come along because that's when you're going to see some of the greatest deals appear is when a new route starts and those introductory offers are where you're really going to score a deal. Stephen's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Clark. I love your show. Thank you, Stephen. Um, I have a question. I have three granddaughters. They are three months old, four years, and eight years old. And my wife and I want to do something special for them in their retirement years. And knowing that, um, well, not knowing what Social Security is going to be there or what it's going to be like in 60 years, what we would like to do is invest $5,000 into a retirement account for each of our granddaughters. And I know that we can't do a Roth IRA because obviously they're not making any money. Um, but now you have a lot of other of grandchildren you didn't know about right here, Joel and Kim and Clark all <laughs> went in on this too. They should all come and visit us during the holidays then. Perfect. <laughs> so, um, but we want to do something special for them and it'll be kind of neat, you know, 60 years from now, you know, especially with the compounded interest effect, um, what that would be worth. You know, it could be worth anywhere. What two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars? If your yeah, money, you take the if you figure you figure if you put them in a broad market index fund, and the money uh, doubled, just on uh, kind of a moderately appropriate basis, would be every ten years that would double again. It would yeah. it would be a huge amount of money for each of them. The three month old though would have like one more doubling of money than the eight year old, right? So, and I wish we we thought about it earlier, but you know, I was. But again, we were just listening to you, and um, and I said, hey, you know, that would be kind of neat to do something, you know, special for them, and you know, and you know, sixty years from now, they'll think of us. Um, you know, obviously, we won't be around, but I think it would be nice to do something for them. Well, I would say that this is fantastic. And you're going to put them in a great position if you put the money, since you can't shelter it, if you put it in an index fund, like a total stock market index fund or a mix of a total market index fund and an international fund, that that combination would lead to very nice growth over the years and extremely low taxation over the years on 
the earnings that the funds would have because there's so little turnover in the portfolios in a right. total market index that it's not as great as being in a Roth IRA, but the tax treatment's really good. Also, later, once they're working, they can strategically sell a portion of it each year and move the proceeds into a Roth IRA and only have to pay tax on the gain of that portion in that period of time at more at very favorable capital gains tax rates. Okay. And they do so That's early great. in their working years when their tax rates, income will probably be very low, tax rate in turn is very low, it'll cost very little money to absorb that gain and put that money into Roth IRAs. Can I tell you one downside? Let me guess. Um, when they turn 18, they have the ability to take that out, correct? Yeah, so you if make sure they don't know the money's there. Right, and I, <laughs> I've already thought about that. Then the other, I've heard you talk about that before. But how they will find out is if they apply for college, and uh, that money being in their name will have to be reflected on their FAFSA. Okay. Or whatever the equivalent will be 10 to 18 years from now. So there are, there are those slight downsides, but the upside potential is so great and you're so generous to do it. Now, the only other idea going back to the college angle, if college is really a key thing in your family and these three grandkids, that all three of the girls are, are going to go to college, you could instead have grandparent-owned 529 accounts with each, have three of them and have each child named as a beneficiary of one of those accounts. Then the money grows tax-free and then is spent tax-free on their college, and that would be a way for you to put money aside, maintain control of it even when they reach age 18, and uh, be able to know that you had money grow tax-free that is now helping to pay for college. But do you think it would be better for them long-term if they had something for retirement? Because, again, you don't know if Social Security is going to be around sure. or Sure. I, I or think this is else. fine. And I, Do you do any business with Fidelity Investments? Um, I used to. I do everything now with um, – I, I moved all my investments over to one house. Okay. Because um, the, the Fidelity advantage for you for the kids is with their zero funds that charge no commissions and no administrative fees – they every dollar you put in is 100% invested in the market with no downside okay. potentially from expenses. And they have a um, total market index and they have an international index. And I'm a big believer that you should put, um, at their age, maybe 75% domestic, 25% international. Okay. So that's just a thought. And Fidelity is getting a lot of new customers and getting a, th- a three-month-old is maybe not what they were intending on, but that could be a customer for life with a three-month-old, a four-year-old, and an eight-year-old. And you're a very generous granddad. Bunnell is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, Clark, how are you? Wonderful, thank you. How can I serve you? Well, first of all, let me say thank you so much for taking my call. And I love your show, long-time listener. Thank you. Um, actually, first time calling. Um, and it's only because I've been listening uh, to your show while I've been overseas and everything, but I've always been a, a, a 
a fan, and I love everything that you do for the support for the military and and just the overall Clark team. Well, thank you so much for putting your life in danger to serve our great nation. Which branch of the military have you been in? Marine Corps, sir. Oh, you really were uh, out there. <laughs> and, and are you yes, coming sir. home all in one piece? Absolutely, all great. in one piece. Great. Well, thank you for, yes, for being willing to sacrifice for our nation. Absolutely. Well, my question for you, uh, Clark, for today is I, 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 I was able to help my mom sell her house because she moved in with my sister. Um, she had the house up for rent for a while, um, and she got tired of the whole, um, you know, being a uh, landlord, so she wanted to pretty much get rid of it. Um, she made about 30000 profit off of there, so what I'm looking to do is somewhere to put that money in um, and I know it's not going to be for like long-term investment because she's already, she'll be 65 next year. Um, but just something that, you know, to put the money in and let it grow for a little while until she does get ready to start using it. So how soon is the little while? Like how soon do you think your mom might need to draw in some of the money? I would say an average of five years. Five years is a fuzzy, messy kind of time with uh, putting money aside. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, it's really hard to make a call with that because okay. if if you put it in CDs or savings accounts, you're really not going to earn anything. Yeah. You know, it's even at the best, you're going to earn 2%. Yeah. If you go I into... I can always convince her to, to leave it longer because I, I think the main thing is she wants to see if if it's if there's growth, then she'll leave it longer because she can survive without touching it. Um, so, but, so I'm going to give know, this the strangest, easiest answer I can give. She's still okay. working, right? Correct. Yes, sir. So she has access to opening a Roth IRA, and because of her age, she's allowed to put seven thousand of these dollars in right away, okay. and another seven thousand in January. And so that would soak up half of the 30 almost instantly into a tax-free account, a Roth IRA. Got it. So I would put it in, you ever heard of Vanguard, heard me talk about Vanguard? Yes, sir, I have. I would put it in the Vanguard um, Target Retirement Fund 2025. Okay. And that way... Over the next month, you got half that money accounted for. Okay. And then the other half, I know this is going to sound lame, but I'd go ahead and put it into a savings account. So just a regular savings? Regular savings account um, at an online bank, again, earning like 1.7, 1.8% right now, somewhere in there. You can see who those banks are if you go to uh, bankrate.com and click on savings rates. Okay. And she can open an online account and you put the 16000 in there. And then a year out, maybe put another 7000 into a Roth IRA. Okay. In that target retirement fund. And then over, a what would that be, a 24-month period, she'd have pretty much all that money invested in a moderately conservative investment that would be really good to help her through the years of her retirement. Yes, sir. And again, thank you so much for your service to the country and the U.S. Marines. I appreciate more than you know 
what you've done for our freedom. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com slash ask. And producer Joel asks it for you. All right, Clark. Dave's got a question. He says, I'm just preparing myself. If I ever have the good fortune of winning the lottery, is it wiser to take a lump sum or to take the installments? By the way, thank you for all you do. Everybody takes the lump sum. And I actually believe so much in taking the installments. And the reason is, is that most people who get a big pile of money from an inheritance or whatever, the money just like disappears. It's like there's a hole in their pocket. So even though it's cool to have one of those giant checks, it's better if you win a huge lottery to get a smaller check every year for 30 years. Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. You know... I do this because I want you to have the best information possible so you can make better decisions in your life with your wallet and feel more powerful in your life. And so it's really absolutely necessary that the information you hear from me each and every time is on the mark, clear, and information you can do something with. But there are times I'm a human. There are times that I don't deliver. I don't do a good job. I don't give good information. Or I may give advice that you don't like. That's why we have Clark Stinks. You go to clark.com slash Clark Stinks and you post where you feel I didn't serve you. And other people can read your post. They can comment on it. They can agree, disagree. And then weekly, our producer, Krista, goes through all the posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you right here on the show. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Before you start, Krista, I got to tell you something. What? So... I'll have people come up to me and they're like giggling and they say, I love that thing about you. Uh, They'll use usually a pejorative word. Maybe I shouldn't mention on the show Uh or something like that. And they just start like, that is so funny when somebody said, blah, blah, blah. People really take to this and they respond to it. They do. You most of all, you think it's fun. So let's start with this one. Dear Clark Le Pew. (laughs) <laughs> you compared the Chromecast to the Roku. You stated one big advantage to the Chromecast has of a Roku is you can stream from your phone. I have a Roku stick from for some time now, and with it, I can stream from my phone to my TV very easily. I listen to your podcast daily driving home from work and appreciate every penny you've saved me over the years. I'm posting this so the listeners of your show are more savvy shoppers. Sean from Mobile, Alabama. Sean, thank you, and... Uh, you know, when you start talking about the Roku, the Chromecast, and the Amazon Fire Stick, these are all really wonderful gateways to stream content, and they get better and better all the time, and the flexibility of each gets better. And the only thing I'd say about um, Chromecast versus Roku, I use both. I find the Roku overall to be easier to use. 
Several people wrote in about this one. Clark, in the segment where you were talking about USPS address takeover fraud, you told people to quickly go to the post office if their mail just stopped showing up. That's good, but what you failed to mention was the new USPS informed delivery service. USPS sends me an image scan of every non-bulk mail envelope that is scheduled to be delivered to my home that day. If any of that mail is in my mailbox, I know I need to go looking. This is much better than waiting to guess whether someone has got my mail or whether I just didn't have mail for a few days. Great job. I listen every day I can, Josh. Josh, thank you. Informed delivery is something that people love getting. And a friend of mine says, look, right here on my phone, I can see images of all the mail I'm getting. And uh, he's right that it's been great for him. And it's a great idea for you. The Postal Service suspended it for a while because fraudsters had figured out how to start taking over that as well. But as best I know, that problem has been solved. Clark keeps saying the Costco card doesn't cover rental insurance, but my Costco card does. He should find out and specify which cards do and don't. Thank you, Ned. That was true. My understanding is that the travel benefits with the Costco Visa card were taken away by Chase. And that was what we, when we went to confirm that before, we were told that was the case. So I'm going to give that an assignment to producer Joel Would you confirm whether or not Costco has removed their trip cancellation, trip interruption? Well, they didn't. uh, Citibank did. Citibank removed that and removed the car rental coverage. If you don't mind doing that. I'll do it. Both those. Thank you. A while back, you gave horrible advice to a young woman who was about to get married. She asked if a prenuptial agreement was a good idea. You replied from a place of romance and not financial security. According to you, it would be unromantic to start off the marriage with a document to protect yourself in the event of the end of the marriage. Speaking as someone who was married for 20 years and had to give away more than half my wealth and continue to pay alimony on a monthly basis for the rest of my life or hers, there's nothing romantic about that. The person you marry today is likely not going to be the same person you're married to 20 years from later. And yes, I believe people should work out their issues if possible. It's hard to forecast who will become an abusive alcoholic and develop a gambling addiction when you're in your early 20s. I wish someone had advised me to get a prenuptial agreement before I was married, even though I did not have anything and I was not making much money. Anyone who's considering marriage should have that conversation and write down their expectations should things end. After all, marriage is merely a business contract with a very expensive party attached to it. Eric. Eric, I am really, really sorry about the turn of events in your life. The uh, sounds like you went through a terrible, terrible period with someone who was abusing their own life. And in return, you were abused by that. And now you have financial consequences from it. That is A terrible, terrible outcome. As for what I said to the young lady, so yes, you'll always hear me say when the question of prenup comes up that I will talk about the romantic thing, but it is true that there can be circumstances where it will turn out that it's been fantastic to have a prenup. And if you were concerned about what could happen if the marriage doesn't work out and you want to protect yourself financially and legally, then it's a conversation you need to have way before your wedding date. 
that both of you need to be on the same page about it. And I know a couple that got married recently where they both went and had prenups done and it's something they had talked about ahead of time. And so they had had that conversation and they were both comfortable with that. Um, there are circumstances come up frequently where somebody will spring a prenup on somebody the week of the wedding. Uh, by the way, I forgot to give you this. Here's the prenup I want you to sign. <laughs> so it does need to be an early conversation, and it has to be something that the parties are comfortable with doing that. And then you have to make a decision. If somebody says, no, I'm not going to sign a prenup, are you at that point going to go through with the wedding? Thank you for all of your good advice, but your eBay bashing has got to stop. There are many ways to ensure that the seller you're purchasing from on eBay is legitimate and reliable. In fact, eBay sellers have very strict rules about listing items, dealing with customer concerns, returns, etc. Sellers live in fear of negative or even neutral feedback that could hurt our status. As someone who is a teacher and supplements my income by putting in hours of work, searching thrift stores and going to rummage sales, it is insulting that you say a good deal on eBay is most likely stolen. As a seller, I feel proud that I can find an item, give a deal to a customer and make some profit, all while keeping an item out of keeping junk out of landfills and making sure a quality item ends up going to good use. Instead of bashing eBay and scaring people away, next time try helping them learn the tools to find reliable and quality sellers so they can get a good deal. Amanda. Amanda, gosh, I don't know what you heard or if it was somebody else you heard talking about because I order from eBay regularly. I think eBay being in the marketplace is really important is a counterweight to Amazon's marketplace. Uh, there are items that are stolen that are sold on eBay. That is true. I don't know what context you're referring to, but I did not mean to imply, if it's something you heard that I said, that if you see a good deal on something, assume it's stolen, because that's not how I feel. I did buy something. Oh, Okay. So I may have told the story about buying a uh, car accessory on eBay that I found out later that the only way I could have gotten that was that it was stolen merchandise. And I, w I felt terrible that I had bought something that almost certainly was stolen. But I don't, maybe that's what you heard. I don't mean in any way to make people think that eBay automatically is dirty or crooked or anything like that. Clark is a great advocate of investing in broad index stock funds as, as a long-term investment due to low fees. He never mentions the tax, tax risk due to embedded capital gains. An investor buying in today automatically accrues all the embedded capital gains for his shares. If the fund has a sell-off, as could happen in a bubble busting, he or she could have a significant capital gains liability for gains that happened before he or she even owned the shares. In addition, if dividends and capital gains are automatically reinvested, as Clark recommends, the investor now has to raise cash to pay his or her capital gains taxes, even though the investment account has dropped in value due to the bust. No one, including Clark, talks about that risk. Richard. Richard, thank you for that. And that is a valid concern. It is possible that someone would end up in a tax trap. Uh, that could happen even more with an actively managed mutual fund. Most people are doing most of their investing 
through a tax-sheltered account like a Roth IRA, traditional IRA, 401k of either flavor. And it is true that there is the tax risk and tax time bomb potentially with an index fund. And I guess I should mention that more often about the problem of capital gains tax ultimately ending up with a potential big bill. Clark, I wanted to touch on some advice you gave a caller about using a half of a round-trip ticket. This caller was asking if he could purchase a round-trip t- ticket and only use the f- one part of it. While it is okay to use half of a ticket, it is important to point out that they must use the first half. If they do not show up for the first half of the trip, their entire reservation will be canceled. Thanks for all you do for us, Tom. Tom, thank you for emphasizing that. Um, Anytime you start getting into strategies like that, you really have to think them through thoroughly. And what that was about was a caller who found that the round-trip fare was much less than the one-way fare, even though they only needed to go one way. And yes, the ticket you need to use always is the first segment and forfeit the second, because if you no-show for a first flight, you go in the airline system as an NS status, no-show status, and they cancel out the remainder of your reservation. Oh, Joel, you found that that quickly? So the scoop is there is no more trip cancellation, trip interruption insurance, but there still is on the Costco Visa card car rental secondary coverage. I appreciate all your posts, and most of all, I appreciate that you care and the passion you show. I want you to let me know when you feel I've given bad or incomplete advice. Go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and let me know. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, John. Hi, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, John. So somebody wants a lot more money out of you for something they've been pay- you've been paying for through the years. Tell me what that is. Well, life insurance. My company furnishes a set amount based on my pay, and then I added supplemental to it. Well, now I'm getting short of hair, long of tooth, old of age, however you want to say it. Premiums <laughs> are going up quite a bit more. <laughs> what does uh, this insurance do? Is it is it it's straight just life, life insurance? insurance? Okay. Yeah, it's just a life insurance. And do you uh, have other life insurance, or is this what you've got is what came through your employer? No, I have got another policy, and it, the other one is like, uh, oh, when you just pay on it, it's supposed to build up, but I'll never get it paid off by the premium that I'm paying. They they keep wanting me to increase premium to pay it off, and I've, I've paid years on it, and it's, uh, it's a $50,000 payout policy, and I think cash value on it's about fifteen now. Okay, so $50,000 policy... If there's somebody who depends on you for income, 50 is not going to be enough. So tell me your overall picture. Like, who? Oh, no, no, no. I just want to leave a a little extra outside of my estate, outside of, you know, 401ks and all that other stuff for my kids and grandkids. All right. So so you're living on your own. Yep. So you probably don't need that work-life insurance is going way up in premiums. Okay. Because the if the premiums have reached a point where, because of your age, they're escalating really quite rapidly, 
that's not going to get better from here. You know, yeah. it just gets yeah. to be more and more expensive. How's your health? Fairly good. I, I got a few problems, health problems, diabetic and stuff, but physical wise, it's in good shape. All right. So with diabetes, if somebody depended on you for income, even with those premiums going up at work, I'd have you keep doing it. But because mm -hmm. nobody needs money from you to live when you're not with us anymore. Oh, yeah, I know that. I just yeah. wanted to leave them a little something extra because, I mean, they'll, they'll get my estate and other stuff and things. Let, and them, have just... the, let them have that because <laughs> unless, I'll tell you, the only exception. Okay, if you're paying for this insurance from work, and even with the premiums escalating, it makes no difference in you being able to live the life you want to live. And you'd like nope. to know that you've got more that your your kids and grandkids would have. If you want to pay for it, go ahead. Tell me, how much coverage is it, and what are they billing you per year now? Uh, it's billed off from like $0.42 cents per thousand, and, and it's a $100,000 policy. That's $0.42 cents per pay period, 26 pay periods in a year. And I think that figures out about 160 bucks or something a month. All right, 160 a month. So you're paying $2,000 a year for $100,000 in coverage that would go to kids or grandkids. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, that's just going to keep going up each year. How many more years are you going to work? I keep telling them till I die. I have no reason to retire or anything. I get, you know, I get enough vacation. I, I go visit grandkids. I go do what I want. I do a few, few vacation days here and there. And I'm not one to take. Uh, I've never taken big vacations. Don't have interest in it. Oh, so. well, you're missing the whole world then. <laughs> but, but as far as keeping this, 2000 against 100 is a lot in premiums. But... If it will give you some peace of mind knowing you're leaving that hundred for loved ones, then go ahead and pay it if it's not, pay that premium if it's not making any difference in your lifestyle or the life you want to live. At least till the premiums get to a point where you're like, wow, that's too much. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.